Chris and I are both out of the office today, but instead of leaving you without our sonorous tones, we hope you enjoy this weekend's bonus brief with Josh Schrader about U.S.-Africa relations. We'll be back with one last brief before the end of the year tomorrow. See you then. It's the weekend, and this is your DSR Daily Bonus Brief. I'm Grant Haver. Today, we're joined by Josh Schrader, author of the recent op-ed in Inkstick, A New U.S.-Africa Partnership Must Start with Diplomacy. Josh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Grant. Why should the average American care about the continent on its own terms outside of kind of great power competition? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's something that the administration is really contending with at this week's U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit. Many of the issues that are important to our national security or to our economy, to our U.S. foreign policy, uh, whether it be climate change, global health, a just green transition, and of course, great power competition. These are all issues that are have roots on the African continent, whether it's Addressing climate change by protecting the Congo rainforest or securing our green transition by making sure we can safely and with human rights in mind, secure our supply chains from coming from the continent and uh, democracy and human rights issues, whether it's coups in the Sahel or fragile elections uh, in the DRC. You know, these are all issues that the United States has prioritized in our foreign policy and that are impacting the daily lives of, of everyday Americans. And I think, and I, and I talk about this in my piece, it's, it's if the U.S., if this administration, as well as all administrations, are serious about tackling these issues, then we have to find a way to engage the African continent in a bigger and bolder way. The Biden administration's first big, bold play in this area was they released a sub-Saharan Africa strategy a few months ago. And now they have brought in Africa leaders to D.C. and caused a whole bunch of traffic issues. What did you make of the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit? What were the outcomes? Did you think it was effective? That's a great reporter question. (laughs) I think um, we're going to have to wait and see. And that's a great foreign policy professional answer. (laughs) And that's exactly the point. And the point I made in my, my article was that you know this is a really important moment for once again this administration but administrations following the administrations to come to build upon this summit you know this is the first it can't be like it was last time oh you know president obama convened the first us africa leader summit and then another one didn't happen for many years until the biden administration just hosted this one so i think for you know, the analysis I've seen coming out of this conference is, you know, it's been positive, a lot of good dialogue, a lot of good conversations. You know, you have representation from almost the entire continent. President Biden made the announcement that he's going to advocate for permanent AU representation on the G20 to make a G21. You know, these are all really good things in rhetoric and in writing, but how do we build up on that? How do we mobilize that into you know, a more sustained, more comprehensive, more inclusive engagement with the continent. And so, yes, I think what we saw this week was was really great, impactful, but how do we build upon that and actually 
turn it into something more sustainable. And that's just remains to be seen. In your piece, you argue that the way to sustain this is by leaning in diplomatically, actually really engaging in a sustained way and not just doing these kind of big splashy summits where we say we're all in on the future of Africa. Why diplomacy first rather than economically first? You know, for me, the big things that I saw coming out of the summit were like major announcements on food security, on the green energy transition. Why do you think we shouldn't go an economic first approach and instead go for diplomacy first? I don't think it has to be one or the other. In fact, it shouldn't be. You definitely have to lean into the economics, increase our private investment. So much of the historic U.S.-Africa relationship has been rooted in sort of aid and very heavy on like global health, which is obviously very important. But in this new era of this relationship, I think you have to have a significantly larger focus on economics, on trade, on investment in areas that, you know, benefit us all, whether that's, you know, emerging technologies or or fintech or something like that, you know, infrastructure. These are all areas where both Americans and Africans can benefit. And the point I make is that more diplomacy, you know, investing in our diplomats, investing in in our missions on the ground will help facilitate that, will help inform our investments, will help facilitate those trade agreements, and will help U.S. corporations feel better about their investments and the risks they may be taking in a historically, you know, unstable region in the Sahel or the Great Lakes, for example. So I think in some, it's not one or the other, it's both at the same time. One of the things you mention in the piece, which I, of course, highly recommend to all of our listeners to go check out, is that the Biden administration hasn't appointed a number of ambassadors to a variety of countries in Africa. Specifically, you call out Ethiopia, which listeners of the show know that I care a lot about and we've talked about a few times that's going through the sort of end of civil war phase, maybe, hopefully. Why do you think it is that we've been so slow to get these ambassadors appointed? There's two sides. One is, yes, just a general lack of appointments in a few key countries on the continent. Another is Maybe there has been an appointment, but the Senate hasn't confirmed those appointments. And, you know, that's been a sort of unfortunate characteristic of our Senate, you know, over the last couple of years is how slow they've been to to confirm some of the very important national security posts. And that includes ambassadors all around the world. So some of it is, you know, I, I, I lay blame at the Senate. Others, I think something like Ethiopia, you know, it gets a little bit tricky because there's so much emphasis on that conflict. And I know the the administration's approach has really been relying on the AU, as well as former President Kenyatta from Kenya to, to play a, a really strong leading role in, in diplomacy in the Horn of Africa, and particularly with Ethiopia, with support from really stellar leaders in, in our administration, in the State Department, whether that's, you know, Mali Fee or Blinken or whomever. So I think, you know, the approach they seem to have been taken is 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 a diplomatic emphasis, is a partnership with with diplomatic leaders on the continent. And as to why there's not an Ethiopia ambassador, I have no idea. But, you know, it's sort of my argument that there should be, you know, in, in this situation, having one uh, person on the ground constantly 
rather than multiple multiple people ferrying back and forth may go a long way in conveying a more consistent policy. And that's that's true for any conflict around the world. How concerned are you that the Biden administration is coming to this kind of late in the game? We're kind of halfway through his first term. God willing, he gets another term. But if not, we're going to have a huge rollover in government. And then we're back to square one with a Republican taking over and trying to rebuild African relations in their own image. Are you concerned that the Biden administration has not moved fast enough to make the impact necessary on this important issue? Most definitely. It's a challenge, you know, given massive geopolitical challenges like Russia's war in Ukraine, a rising China, uh, and some of these other very existential crises that are happening around the world that divert attention and resources away from some of these issues on the African continent. And that's another point that I make is a lot of you know these gaps in diplomacy exist at the bottom. They exist with lacking of resources or funding or staffing at the embassy level. And you can argue yes or no that the administration has been slow to responding, but the fact of the matter is that these gaps among our foreign service, among our embassies have existed for decades. And while, you know, maybe we're missing an ambassador in Ethiopia, I think filling those bottom up, those gaps from the bottom up will will do a lot more to kind of sustain that long-term, comprehensive, inclusive diplomacy that's sort of less on the front lines, more just engaging at the local level. And I think that is is, a, is an area that many previous administrations and future administrations should be focusing on. Whenever I talk with Africa experts, they're always sort of in a talk is great, lots of good things, it sounds like, but let me see when something happens. And you sort of said that earlier about the summit. What should we be looking for to know if the Biden administration is serious about this, given kind of the constraints of Congress? One really big thing that the administration could do quickly is to to get the president to the continent to follow up with some of this rhetoric with genuine FaceTime by the president. You know, I know Secretary Blinken and many other officials have visited the continent now a few times, but I think something like President Biden visiting would be really huge and a good way to to sort of build upon that next step. You know, it's one thing to invite leaders to the White House, uh, it's a it's another thing to then follow up and go visit them. So I think that's one big thing that they can do in the near term that would really continue that momentum. What is a policy area that you think is one of the areas that we should focus on beyond like kind of the goodwill tour, which I think would be great, but what's something policy-wise that we should be looking for that's maybe like something you've keyed in on that other people might have missed? Yeah, great question. I think one of the exciting things that came out of COP27 this year was the loss and damage fund, which was an international agreement by which uh, rich countries, mostly in the West, can contribute funding and resources toward loss and damage in the developing world due to climate change. That's sort of a, an agreement that was really surprising and exciting that came out of that at COP27. And it was a, an area of focus during the summit this week, the US Africa Leader Summit. And how do we 
take that agreement and mobilize it and actually build upon it and, and turn it into a reality. And so I think that particularly that intersection of, of climate change and loss and damage and the African continent is, is an intersection, a policy intersection that has a lot of opportunity, but also a lot of challenges in the coming years. And I think it's something we should all be paying a bit more attention to. That's all the time we have for today. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at the dsrnetwork.com. Thanks to your membership for making conversations like this possible. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>